All right, welcome to The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. My name is Brandon Patrick. I am the expert, and I have been treating addiction for about 10 years now, specifically uh, sexual addiction and working with spouses with betrayal trauma. And I don't know where to go from there. I mean, that's that's exactly who you are, which is exactly why we have you here. And I, I'm Kobe. I'm Ashlyn. And we are, I'm, I'm the addicted and... I'm the betrayed and we are married. Yeah. And, and we are, that's a good point. That's a good thing to point out too, right? <laughs> is that we're married. But um, I mean, we're here because we want to share our point of view and our perspective from the expert, but also the addicted and the betrayed on, for instance, today, what, how, how do we know I'm addicted? Right. And how do, how do I know, know I have betrayal trauma? Exactly. So good news is, is that Ashley and I aren't therapists, but we have one here with us. <laughs> and and uh, that's going to, it's going to increase the value of this whole experience in a very big way. So um, Brandon, let's just jump in. Yeah, let's do it. So how, how do you know you're addicted? Um, the definition of addiction, when you, when you think about addiction, um, there's, there's a lot of controversy out there when it comes to sexual addiction. Um, is sexual addiction an actual addiction? And a lot of my colleagues, you can hop online and find all kinds of information that says it's not an addiction. And to me, when you, when you, when you look at the definition of addiction, um, it's using something um, to lessen pain or to give you pleasure. And the rate and duration of its use over time increases to the point where your life becomes unmanageable. And you look at sex addiction, and to, to, to me, if, if you're doing something that you don't want to do, but you can't stop doing it. Does it really matter if we call it an addiction? Uh, you're going to have negative consequences in your life. That's and, and with sex addiction, the definition of addiction does apply because the rate and duration and the tolerance builds up. And that's why guys, you know, they start with one thing online and it can lead to other things in their life. So okay. that's the definition of addiction. So for you, Kobe, how did... I mean, I... I to... I would have never considered myself being an addict. I mean, but of course, I was never put, that, that definition that you just gave me was never positioned to me and said, "Okay, this let's let's evaluate where you are, what your behavior's been, and let's let's contrast that to this definition." That was that, that I'd never had the luxury of, of being able to have anybody do that with me. So that's probably one of the reasons why I was in denial for so long. I mean, I, I my my addiction started when I was seven, when I was first exposed to, to porn. And went for 31 years. And so it probably wasn't until I actually found a specialist that I knew, like, I met the cl- I meet the classic definition, like you just described, well, it, you, of addiction. You just, you just pointed out another very clear sign of addiction. is uh, Addiction's best friend is denial. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so if, you're, if you're in denial yeah. for 30 years, then there, chances are there was some kind <laughs> of addiction going on. There, yeah. there definitely is a problem. Ashlyn, you had... A really good definition that you shared that you've recently shared about, right. about definition or about addiction as well that I think is really cool. It's very simple, but it goes right along with the clinical definition, and it's that you're doing something that is negatively affecting your life and those around you. So, very simply put, the actions that you had in the 14 years of our marriage did affect me in a negative way. Totally right, but yet he continued to. Do it right, and, and, and I couldn't but, stop. Either. And right. neither of us saw like this is an addiction. It was just this annoying thing that he wouldn't stop right. doing. Right, <laughs> right, right. To define it as such, right? Yeah. Right. Was it helpful to define it 
as an addiction. Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. Once we, I mean, once, once we got serious about, about recovery, um, yeah, it was, it was super important just to say, okay, here's, here's the baseline. Right. This is the actual measurement of what addiction is. And, and then to start to learn the science behind it for me was huge because I was able to find empathy and compassion for him mm-hmm. and separate it and say, oh, he's still my husband mm-hmm. and I love him, but I hate this what, addict. What do you know? This isn't all about me. Yeah. This, is, this is him and he has this addiction and you can, you can yeah, that's really helpful, I think. So I, so one of the, one of the things I want to just really clearly demonstrate is like what my cyclical, the cyclical nature of my addiction, what it looked like. Okay. So um, I'll just start with my, with my married life. I mean, we've been married 17 years. And I was probably every, um, probably in the neighborhood of every four to eight weeks, I would look at pornography, masturbate, and um, that depended on whether I was in the home. I traveled for many years internationally and was gone for two and three weeks at a time. That was like a drunk tending bar for me. Mm-hmm. Me being in a hotel room in, in Copenhagen was just horrific on me right. as, far as, my, as far as my addiction is concerned. But... Um, but I would never want Ashlyn to know. And I was always vigilant in trying to keep this secret from her because, because my thought was, is if she knew this about me and I, and to be fair, I never told Ashlyn about, about my behavior, about this thing I had with, with, with porn, um, before we got married. Hmm. And so I wanted to hide it because I thought she's going to like, she'll leave me. She won't love me if she finds out about this. Yep. So that's what it looked like for me. That can, can I make a point from that? Yeah, Which totally. Is, uh, so, so if we if we delve deeper into what is addiction, addiction is it's an attachment disorder, and okay. what you just described, Kobe, is how it was an attachment disorder for you. What you didn't want to do was be completely authentic, completely vulnerable mm-hmm. with Ashlyn, um, and so you 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 hid things. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't open up to her. You kept this big secret away from her, which made it so that you couldn't get healthy attachment in your life. You couldn't feel that. Mm-hmm. And so in turn, you needed to find something to soothe you, something to feel mm-hmm. good in your life. So you went back to the porn, totally. which pushed you further away from her. And the cycle goes on and on. Yeah. It did yeah. go on. For- and ironically, when we That's would so go to funny. therapy before we found Specialized, it was this deep, I want connection, Ashlyn. He was always asking That's for that. That's what he's begging for, yes. right? Yeah, yes. and yeah. so it's, it's ironic. Yeah, that was like the vexing part of, of, of therapy for a long time until we finally got specialized up. It's like, I just want that, but I didn't realize that I was, that was. pushing it <laughs> farther that, that and farther is, away. That is why you would go to the porn, because you wanted that, but you didn't want to, you didn't want to get vulnerable to get it. Yeah. You, you, oh yeah, that right? makes sense. That makes total sense for sure. And, and and getting vulnerable would be being open and honest with Ashlyn. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a super scary. yeah it was a yeah. super hard time for me. And anytime I had to, I actually disclosed to Ashlyn that I had looked at porn or masturbated, it was like it was like ripping my soul out of me. It oh was yeah, so hard. Right. It was so hard. It was just like and I and I would share a little bit and then just see okay is she gonna is she gonna kill me? No. Okay. Then I'll. I'll share a little bit more. I, I call it the trickle out effect. Yeah. Just like well, I tell her just, which is me. awful. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's so traumatizing. Yeah. It was the worst. Yeah. So how did you see it? Like, what did you see in me, Ashlyn, as the betrayed that made you think, okay, something's not right? Well, here. I never told anyone. So I felt like I was married to someone and everyone else saw someone else mm-hmm. because you were absolutely functioning and everyone loved you. You had, you know, 
tons of friendships with people, but I'm sitting there going, you don't really know what I'm dealing with. I have so many clients, women that come in and they're like, my, everybody just thinks my husband is amazing. Yeah. And let me tell you the real story. Let me tell you about our marriage. Yeah. yeah. Which he is amazing. It just had this icky part that actually it, it made me look bad. Uh, right. <laughs> I came out as the bad guy because I was in betrayal trauma and reacting. Right. But but what we were talking about earlier with Kobe and his attachment issues. So here he is just keeping you at arm's length, at a distance, not letting you connect. Uh, how, I mean, how does that make you feel? I felt like I was crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. You want to connect like... But you just feel crazy. And to I be can't... honest, when you just talked about um, the attachment disorder, that kind of clicked for me because for so long, it was me not being able to open up. But now I realize it was both of us. Oh, it was both of you for sure. Yeah. he Co Kobe's a, he's a uh, charismatic guy. Who, <laughs> who seems I was really good at controlling expectations from others. Yeah. Like, right. I was really good at that right. because I didn't want them to know the deep, dark secret that I have. Well, that's, so an addict will use his skills. Um, and, and so if your skills are charisma and you can, mm -hmm. you can look good to other people, you can avoid vulnerability with that. Mm -hmm. But other guys who are really good at maybe shutting down or getting angry or, and all of these, all of these si things are signs of addiction because all of those things are used just to disconnect wow. that vulnerability. That's so. crazy. That's way crazy. Okay. That's addiction. Okay, let's talk about uh, how do I know I have betrayal trauma and define betrayal trauma for you. So um, betrayal trauma is a new thing on the scene. It's uh, recently, in the last five years or so, people are really actually talking about betrayal trauma. And there's, there's a good book called Your Sexually Addicted Spouse, Barbara Steffens. <clears throat> and she came out with this concept more and really drove it home. It used to be codependency that all therapists would talk about and and the the codependency treatment model or co-addict and really what what we realized is you know a wife who's acting crazy um <laughs> she she's acting crazy for a reason and that that reason is is she's she's experiencing significant trauma in her life and the thing about betrayal trauma is that it, it's traumatic because we as human beings we need, we need attachment. We need connection. And when you don't, like, like Ashlyn just said, you, you feel crazy um, and, and you're in this relationship to the person that you want attachment to the most, you can't get it. It's traumatic. And as the addict is, is acting angry or shut down or fake, you, you just don't know what to do. And um, betrayal trauma is different than normal trauma in that Normal trauma, like you get in a car accident, there's a traumatic event that happens. And you'll remember that the rest of your life. And that event changed your life. A betrayal trauma, something happens. Maybe you discovered something. But then you're still in a relationship with this person. And you, you, you're like living in the trauma as you're trying to get better. And so it, it's really difficult to recover unless you really have healthy boundaries, a support system, a lot of things that, that, that support you to live in this traumatic environment. Um, it, there's trauma in terms of uh, gender wounds, who you are as a woman. There's trauma in terms of, uh, you know, bishop trauma or, or clergy trauma. Therapists can give you bad advice. 
um, external, we call it external destabilization. You don't know if, if your future is going to actually be there because this addiction thing is now in the middle of your marriage. So, so <clears throat> that's what betrayal trauma is. It has a lot of symptoms like, like PTSD. Um, <clears throat> you'll have triggers where they take you out of reality. You're, you're stuck in fear a lot. I remember seeing that. Yeah, for sure. So, so Ashton, I, as I'm going through this, have you experienced some of yeah. this stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I remember when I first heard even the term betrayal trauma, I was like, oh my gosh, like validation mm -hmm. one, and I'm not crazy. Right. And I'm not alone. So um, for me, it I reacted to a lot of anger and I definitely lived in the future and in the past. I never lived in the moment. Yes. Because the moment was hard. Well, and you were triggered in the moment, yeah. right? But I'm triggered in the future and the past too. So it was like, what am I doing? Right. And so I wasn't ever really happy. And yeah, I was never actually working to change that. Right. And, and, and you were probably, uh, I see this a lot. Um, stuck in blame. So it's it, it, what, what happens is, gosh, I've been traumatized by my husband. So now I need my husband to be fixed. Yeah. He needs to change. So you go to the very thing that's causing you fear to try to get safety. And, and then what happens is you feel more fear because he's <laughs> stuck in his addiction. Right. And so you get stuck yeah. in that cycle over and over again and it makes you feel out of control. Yeah. Well, and for so many years, it was just stop. Like, what is your problem? Just stop. Knock it off. Yeah. Right. So then I can have safety and things can get yeah. back to normal. Yeah. Right? And so. Wait, what I was blaming that on from, from, from my perspective, it's always like, man, Ashley is so mean. And in fact, um, that I remember going to a therapist saying, my wife is just super mean. And so there's a big, huge deep dive into like her family history. But at the end, I was like, well, I've got this issue, I think, with, with porn. And the therapist was like, that is the culprit behind all of the behavior. And but she didn't call it material trauma, but she just knew that was Yeah, it was years. That, that years was that was a thing. Right. And so I viewed it as Ashlyn, like you said, just Ashlyn being crazy and being mean. <laughs> and I didn't know that we were gonna survive it. And I know that a lot of times I was like ready to like walk out on our marriage because she was quote unquote mean, but I was completely ignorant on right. the idea that I was I, I wasn't safe and I wasn't trusted. And right. so she was like just reacting with patrol trauma. Right. And so um, spouses will, uh, I, I call them my five H's. I hope I can remember all five right now. <laughs> but 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 it, they're just screaming out for connection. And um, they, they, they feel this this void in their life. And so um, there's, there's different ways that they try to control that and get that connection. And so um, one of the H's I call is hugging, which is they, they get extra nice. Um, man, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> that's so me, <laughs> right? Well, well, it's, it's not uncommon for a wife to find out about a porn addiction and the couple has a lot more sex for the yeah, next two weeks. Cause that can fix it, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I can control him. I'll keep the house really clean. I'll lose a bunch of weight. I'll be really nice. I'll be really kind. Uh, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't change the addiction. Yeah. Um, hiding is another one, which is, okay, I know it's there, but I'm just going to pretend like it's oh. not. Just gonna... Yeah, that was me for 14 years. <laughs> really? Yeah, like I know there's a bigger issue, uh -huh. right? And now why did you do that? I didn't know how to cope, and I also didn't feel safe telling anyone. 
Okay, so that's another thing that happens a lot is 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 you feel totally isolated mm-hmm. in that. Look, it's his problem. I don't want people to know this about our marriage. So you're just stuck and alone in it. Um, so so they just uh, spouses oftentimes will stay stuck in hiding. Mm-hmm. I'll run these groups and and sometimes women for the first time are actually coming to therapy or coming to something for recovery. And before I even start the group they're just like sobbing. They're crying because they know that they're there looking at me and it's time to face what, what's actually going on. Um, the next one, uh, hovering, which is... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you can hover over, like, what is he doing online? You know, I want to know everything about everything that he's doing. And you can also hover over his recovery. Like, is he going to to his 12-step meetings? Is he doing therapy? I'm going to crack the whip and make sure he gets in recovery. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't heal the, the betrayal trauma. Um, it only adds to the craziness. I'm... It totally does. <laughs> yes. I'm an example of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think you're, you're looking for safety and you don't create safety by, by gaining an ability to, to trust yourself to get him to do something. Right. You, you get safety by trusting him, Right. Um, okay, hiding, hating is another one, and that's what you were talking about, Toby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds like Ashlyn was a hater for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, I, all of these. Yeah, and, and the hate, the hating is just, just like, look, I'm, I'm gonna protect myself through disconnecting from you with hate. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. Yeah. Um, and I think that's. Did I say five? That was four. Four. Hugging, hiding, hating, hovering, hovering. Mm-hmm hopelessness, mm. which is just like, I'm just going to shut down. I'm not going to get out of bed. I'm done. I don't want to deal with it. And, and, and you know what? That's, that's okay. To, to, you're grieving something. Um, but when you just get stuck in that hopelessness, what you're not doing is, is coping, is right. dealing with it. So, Well, I think what's interesting, I went to a conference where the speaker said, okay, it's all women who've experienced this and said, who in here is sick or has been sick during your recovery? 80% of the room raised their hand. Yeah. Like you physically, your body is in trauma. No question. I would say, I would say a hundred percent of the women that I work with, um, experience some level of, of anxiety in terms of insomnia, panic attacks, just racing thoughts, depression, depression, weight gain. Yeah. Yeah. Your body does react. No question. So, I mean, I, I, as, as far as, as far as the betrayal trauma side is concerned, I will say this for sure that I had no, not only did I not have any idea that that's what Ashlyn, that's you, you're experiencing, but, um, it took a lot of consistent effort over time to appreciate that. Like I could say, okay, yeah, you got that, but I couldn't really feel any empathy for you in betrayal trauma. And that took an extraordinary amount of time and consistency in my own recovery until that way it's kind of like that was granted to me in on my road of recovery to have empathy for you in betrayal trauma. And I think once I recognized that. Things changed. That's when for, for me, you, yeah. trust and safety really came because I thought, okay, he's not only doing the work on his own, but he gets it. A massive change and shift with couples and that. But you know what? That that's advanced recovery work. Um, for for the addict to have empathy for the betrayed, because because you, uh, 
an addict who is steeped in shame cannot connect and have empathy for, for, for their wife's pain. Mm. And so, so when you were able to do that, Kobe, it said something to her mm-hmm. about where you were in your recovery. You yeah. could connect to her instead of just defend you all the time. Yeah. That's right? really good because I totally defended me forever. It was like I was like fierce and fighting back or if I thought something was bad. a slight, <laughs> the slightest accusation I was ready to battle over. In, in defending me. So that, that, that really resonates with what you just said there. I got, I got to sure. tell you just a quick story. So I was working with this guy for years, um, three years, and he would, his wife would get triggered and he'd, he'd always turn it back on her and say like, when are you going to forgive me? Like, what's wrong with you? Um, she woke up one night and it was like three in the morning and he was on the edge of his bed looking at his phone. And, um, so what do you think she thought? Yeah, trigger. How did you think? Yeah. And, and so she, she freaked out and accused him of all this stuff. And he looked at her and just said, oh, my gosh, like, I can't imagine how that would feel to you. Um, for me to be three in the morning, I'm looking on my phone. Like, you were probably so scared right now. And she just started to cry, and he held her. And he said, you know, I can tell you I wasn't looking at porn, and I wasn't, but that doesn't matter. Like, I can see how freaked out you are. And, and so he held her, her pain. He held her fear for her instead of causing more fear by telling her, like, he's fine or she's crazy, yeah. you know. And, and that's, that's when safety starts to happen again in the relationship. He had to be in recovery to do that. He had to not have his own shame because then he didn't have to defend himself. So wow. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what do we do? Like now what? I mean, we, you know we you have, have it. <laughs> yeah, we, we have we have I mean, we want people to understand that there's hope. But what do they do, Brandon? I mean, you're the expert here. What do they do in order to if they're just listening for the first time and they're realizing, okay, I am the betrayed or I am the addicted or I could be the addicted, right? Um, <laughs> what 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 do they do? What well, are the first steps? Well well first off I wanna say, you know, Kobe and Ashlyn um, in talking to you guys, you are living, breathing examples of people who have been in, in the depths of hell. <laughs> yeah. People who have been, been where we've been talking about and somehow, some way, um, your marriage has shifted and it's changed. And, and I can say, you know, day in and day out, I, I, I work with people and I see real recovery and it happens. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, that's me, but I don't know how to get there, the first step to getting there is first just just facing the reality of what you're dealing with and, and, and being honest with yourself. And, and, and the reality is, is you can't do this on your own. You, you need to get support from people who, who, who are experts who understand um, sexual addiction and betrayal trauma. And so your first step is to seek out qualified help. Um, look for CSAT therapists. Look for, for people who have have maybe written some things online that really resonate with you that seem like experts. Don't just go to any family therapist. Because we did that. Yeah. Like three different times. And and we went for a very long time with, well, with the third one. For one, insurance paid for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and but but I guess what I'm saying to you is is like we went and it and it yielded us nothing. Well there's such thing as treatment induced trauma. You, you go to the think about it, you the you you can't connect as a couple. You go to a, a, a couples therapist who, who tries to teach you about intimacy, but there's this m- massive addiction between you. <laughs> oh, man. It just causes problems. That we actually never really talked about. 
right. in therapy, which is crazy. Then what's the point of paying for therapy and spending your time? Yeah. And, yeah. So so look for qualified help. That's the first step. Um, but but even beyond going to, a th- of course, I'm a therapist. I'm going to tell you to go find a good therapist. <laughs> um, come out of hiding. Tell somebody who's safe that you have this issue. Tell them that you're going to go get help. That's the first step. Anything else you, you'd want to I mean, add? no, I mean, that's it. I, I would agree with all that. And I know for, for us, like seeking seeking a CSAT, a certified sex addiction therapist, like you said, is it's life changing. It was totally life changing for us. So for us, I mean, it would be like I always use the analogy of like if I have a, a torn ACL, I'm not gonna go to a family doctor to get it fixed. Right. I'm gonna go to an orthopedic and the same principle applies. It like our progress in our marriage and individually changed completely when we found qualified help. But but I do gotta sad. say, and I, and I uh, even within CSATs, you might go to a CSAT that just doesn't resonate with you and doesn't get it. And if they don't, keep shopping around until you find a therapist that, that you can tell they know what they're doing. And, 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 and chemistry, I think, is kind of what you're Chemistry and competence? Yeah, chemistry and competence. But even if they have those letters behind their name, it doesn't mean that they're competent to treat you. Okay. Um, you'll feel it when you, when you find somebody who knows what they're doing and they're, they're confident and they're, they're comfortable in working with sexual addiction. Very cool. So, Ash? No, what? I think that, that covers it. Um, there's so many, there's so much online. There's so, now that there was, there wasn't there before, yeah. I felt so alone. And so even just finding groups where, okay, there's people on Instagram sharing their stories, maybe anonymously, but they're there and you are so not alone. It's amazing how just from three years ago till now, oh, yeah. how much more there is in terms of support and yeah. you are not alone if if you're if you have betrayal yeah. trauma. You can find support fairly easily now. Yeah, and sure. it's probably so. you're not even alone in your neighborhood. <laughs> it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah probably sure. you're not even alone with your next door neighbor. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. And and I would say for, from the addicted, speaking to the addicted, it's like you've got to know that there is hope to change. And if I dealt with this for 31 years, and I've said this many times before, um, it, and if I found recovery after 31 years of addiction, anybody can do that. And it's not it's not insurmountable. It's not this this unicorn that you got to chase forever. It it's it's possible, and um, you can't heal. Well, I, and I've worked with guys that you know I could tell stories that would just blow your mind about how steeped in the addiction they are. I've worked with women completely stuck in their their relationships and their marriages, feeling trapped, um, who are so happy now and so healthy, and 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 not controlled by this addiction and. So I, I, I echo what, what you said, Kobe. Uh, recovery is absolutely possible. Yeah. The yeah. best compliment that Kobe and I ever receive is when people say, you can see the happiness in your eyes and in your smile. And it's absolutely true. Our, our family pictures have changed yeah. over the years. Absolutely. And it's genuine. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. yeah. So um, the best thing that you guys can do to help us um, and give support to us is to share this podcast to... Um, if you know people who are struggling with this and uh, don't know where to go, this is a great resource for you to start learning more and feeling like there is hope. Okay. Thanks, guys. Join us next week. We'll be here again. See ya.